When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners. Welcome back once again to another episode where you get charged up for success. And I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. This week's guest is the founder of BusinessPowerTools.com, formerly Jian. Gian, we called it, J-I-A-N. That's what it was for about 25 years until I sold it to a nice Chinese company. They just wanted the URL. They didn't want the business. They just wanted the the web address. People couldn't spell it, couldn't say it, sell it, (laughs) rebrand. So he's best known for the business plan builder, the business plan software, and one of the affiliate partners with Marketatomy Academy. As we continue with our podcast, you'll understand why he's an integral part of the vision of our academy. Having graduated from UC Santa Barbara and worked for a number of tech companies in Southern California and Silicon Valley, he supports business owners, startups, and consultants to expand their capacity to successfully organize, finance, and run their companies using an online dashboard loaded with an integrated collection of sophisticated done-for-you templates. (laughs) His book, Business Black Belt, shares lessons from 40-plus years of personal development workshops, martial arts, flying, and real-world business success to building companies. I'd be interested to find out more about that. So let's go ahead and jump in to gain all of the wealth of knowledge we can gain over the next 40 minutes. Please welcome to Charged Up Studio, Mr. Burke Franklin with Business Power Tools to talk about conscious business. Hello, Burke. Welcome. Well, good morning, Dana. Nice to to be on with you. Yes, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say, too, so... Um, you mentioned, like you mentioned the business black business black belt book. That was I learned a lot. I took a lot of workshops over the years, and it's and I was applying what I learned to these personal development stuff back in the eighties. You, know, you might have heard of Esther LifeSpring or Summit. I did the Summit workshops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summit I have. And, so. and there's, and yeah. there's the um, you know Scientology and all these other ones. You know that all all this kind of stuff. And the, like the whole thing was to get. Get all the stuff out of your head. Get clear, so to speak. You know, get the and, and we get have the to do learned that. helplessness out. Yeah, and we have to do that. We have to get clear. We have to get clarity if we're going to grow our businesses. You know, so first of all, let's talk about consciousness. Okay, you you give me your philosophy on consciousness and how it how it reveals to business. Well, I'll give you an example, and I'll and I'll quote Rumi. 
Rumi's uh, favorite quote I have here is I read this and went, oh my God, that's perfect. Rumi said, your task is not to seek for love. Your task is to seek and find everything within yourself that you've built against it. So we have these ideas that are working against ourselves that I think that's what he's addressing. And that's the stuff you've got to get out of the way in order to succeed. Now, my humble revision brought forward, maybe it's a thousand years by now. I think he wrote that in the 11th century. But let's just say, your ta- I'm right reading here. Your task is not to seek for love, money, success, fill in the blank. Your task is to find and remove enough of everything within yourself that you've built against it. So you want to find it's not just love, it's everything. You've built things in there against it, perhaps. And I say remove enough of everything just because for those of us who are perfectionists that say, well, I haven't gotten rid of all of it yet. I can't succeed because i got to get rid of all of it. No, you just need enough to tip the scale in your favor, and then, and then you're good to go. And the example I, I think of is, you know, an elephant. Now, I, I have a lot of, there seem to be a lot of elephant metaphors in my speaking because it's, well, that's where they come from. But anyway, I don't have a thing for elephants. But nevertheless, a baby elephant is tied to a stick, you know, stuck in the ground. And it pulls on it and pulls on it. It looks at it and says, I can't, I can't pull this thing out. I'm just going to stand here and forget about it. Well, the elephant grows into a full-blown elephant. And they still just tie a string around his foot. And he looks down and goes, can't go anywhere. And we think, wow, aren't elephants kind of stupid that you'd think you'd just walk off with that thing because he could drag a house down the road if he wanted to. But in the elephant's mind, he's still that baby elephant tied to a stick. And that's what psychologists call learned helplessness. And so we have these things and ideas built into our psyche about why is it I'm not going to succeed? We have these biases really against ourselves. I'm not the right gender, the right color, the right age, the right intelligence, the right whatever it is. And that becomes your stopper. And then you can compound that with all kinds of other stoppers and experiences along the way and things your parents say to you like, money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I am? You know, kind yes. of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get all that kind of stuff growing up. And then you hear the negative things from your friends. And then you hear that, well, you, really, you tell your friends you're going to start a business. And people tell you, well, you know, four out of five businesses fail in five years. Well, you don't need to hear that because it's patently false. But nevertheless, that's the kind of crap we we uh, have in here that needs to be removed. Exactly. So let's put this in context of who our listening audience is, which are micro business owners. And all of this stuff is running in their heads, you know, when they're being fed all this information, whether it be false, true, whatever. Okay. They become so overwhelmed that they don't know where they should be going. You know, where do I start? Where do I go? That's what we developed. Marketatomy Academy for is to help guide them, you know, and then our partnership here is to kind of provide that tool for them right. to use um, for all this information they're gathering and they're building on their business so that they can use this tool to organize it and get it yeah, in front and, of their and, and real and realize they, they have the wherewithal to get through it to get around exactly. it to get past all that stuff because it is hard i mean even even without all of that negative thinking going on there's still a right. lot of work to do and then combine that with the fact that you know if you're you're out and about watching television driving your car down the road you're going to see ads and you're going to hear ads and see we get what what is the number five to seven thousand advertising messages every day and I'm pretty sure none of them ever told me, hey, you're okay. You don't need to buy anything. 
You know, they're all telling you, and even in marketing, we're going to do it here. You know, you got to rub the problem in and you twist the knife and say, hey, I've got the solution for you. You got this problem. Have I got a deal for you? I mean, no one's going to buy your better mousetrap unless they have a mouse problem. No one's going to take the vaccine unless there's a pandemic. Ooh, oh, wait, wait, let's not get political. You, so, you've got, <laughs> so you've got to you've got to create the problem, you know, for people or show them that they have the problem or show them that the problem that they have, which might be number 50 on their priority list. It's an emergency. It needs your product now. And so. And a lot of times they may not even realize they have the problem. No. And you need to point it out to them as far as that's concerned. So. Right. And and how easy your solution is and how quickly you can do it. You see these late night infomercials. I mean, if you want to take a lesson on some great salesmanship, watch an infomercial. It's amazing. The before, the after, the this, the that. Are you sick of this? And the way they just say it and the drama and, you know, and the testimonials. Right. And it's, it's brilliant right. stuff, but it's a great lesson in, mar- in marketing or sales. And when, we, and when we get to the point of talking about overwhelm and everything, a lot of the problems that come, the, 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 the reason that overwhelm is so overwhelming is because they're looking too far ahead. They're looking they're, they're looking at the big picture and they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. All right. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to break that down for them. But first, before anything, we have to talk about the purpose. We have to talk about purpose behind yeah. why we do what we do. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You want to start this off? Well, I think of a couple of things in, that apply to that. And I wrote a blog post, what I call the um, the missionary missionaries versus mercenaries. And so you've got these you've got the missionary who wants to save the world and with something just just give me money. I'm going to go. I'm going to use it and save the world. Well, the, the bad news is, is investors look at that and think, uh oh, this person doesn't know anything about running a business. They've got their hearts in the right place, but they suck at running a company. Not a good investment. Okay, but that person will go down with the ship. They will stay with it no matter what, because that's what they're all about, which that's the good part. Now, the mercenary part is the opposite. The mercenary, of course, is in it for the money. And they probably know how to run a business because they know how to make money. Investors like that. The downside of the mercenary is that, hey, there's a there's a bright, shiny object down the street. They're offering me a better deal. I'm out of here. And they go off. And so they, they don't stay with the business because any sign of you know, going down, they jump ship like a rat and they're, and they're out and investors are a little worried about that. I would say, how do you combine the best of the missionary with the best of the mercenary? It's kind of like in the Wizard of Oz, you've got the, the straw man who needs a, he needs a brain, the tin man needs a heart and the lion, well, he needs some cojones. So that's kind of the third one I did. I didn't really address, but yeah, <laughs> we've covered it now. So, so those are, those would be the ingredients. And, and what I would, the question I ask, even in the, in the business plan builder, business planning software is at one point, I said, what's up, you know, what's a nice person like you doing in a business like this? Like, what is, what is the motivation? Is it just money? Or, and I had a doctor one time and he had a, like a problem with his hand. I said, well, how, how'd that happen? He goes, well, you know, it happened at birth, blah, blah, blah. And I said, is that why you became a doctor? And he said, thought for a moment, he said, you know what? It is. I never thought about that. That was the bringing to consciousness like why he did something. Right. And so if you can find something that you're really passionately motivated about, right. and it could be through some personal disaster or family disaster of your own or just something you see that you just go, you know what? I'm going to fix that. Even yeah. Buckminster Fuller said, what do you say? When you see a, when you see a problem, it's yours to fix. 
So in my case, I saw a lot of some great ideas looking for capital and they were getting the money and I listened to their pitches and I looked at their pitch decks and read their business plans and looked at the math. And I thought, well, no wonder, you know, there was a lot of missing pieces. It wasn't convincing. It didn't tell the full story. There were parts that just weren't clear. Uh, right. A whole bunch of stuff. And, and at the same time, the person themselves might not really have been the right person with all the gravitas to really pull this off, which, of course, begets you needing a team. So I can exactly. go off on a lot of tangents. But exactly. That's the fundamentals of it. Right. And that and and you make some good points there. You know, um, first of all, a lot of times our passion, you know, our purpose, which is our passion. OK, our passion um, is is rooted in something that's happened or that we have gone through to come into a business without having a why makes it difficult to grow that business because it's you as the business owner who is the soul of that business. And it's your passion, your your culture, everything that 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 basically infiltrates the entire business. All right. So, um, you know, I I fully agree as far as um, that that purpose is the driving motivator behind yeah. why you do what you do. But that has to be backed up with the how. And that's where a business plan comes in into play. All right. The business plan, or in this case, it could be an annual strategic plan. It could be anything. Okay. But putting a strategy together, that's going to drive that purpose or that, that, that um, passion is what's really important to understand and put it down on paper because just to have that passion and no structure behind it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and right. so many business owners, you know, they shy away from doing the hard work that needs to be done. Well, you know, I, I yeah, you're right from writing a business plan. When you get down to it, it's not that hard. I mean, people look at it and because they don't know how, they don't know what's involved. They think it's impossible. And so let's just avoid doing it and procrastinate and not start. And really, you know, you can start with, the problem. There's a problem. People. There's a bunch of people have a problem in the world. It could be anything, really. And you know, then you want to quantify how many people have this problem. So now you got to sense, get a sense, and this is the first thing the investors want to know is like, well, what's the problem, and how many people have it? Because if a lot of people have the problem, you got a market here for this, and this could be a this could be a real company. And so that that's kind of where you start, and then you then it goes then you start setting about you know the the rest of it. You know, I could go through the list of twenty questions that investors want to know, but it really Putting the business plan, just thinking through the business and how are you going to do this? And, you know, who do I need to call and what friends can I bring over and what people do I know? And, you know, it, it's 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 just it's a sequential thing. It's like like right. the Chinese say a, a trip, of, a journey of a thousand. What is it? Miles it starts with the first step and you just put one foot in front of the other. And as long as you, you know where you what you want to do and how you see it. I show a picture of Walt Disney pitching Disneyland. You know, he drew a big picture of a theme park and said, here's this amazing theme park. It's got, you know, a, a, a mountain of, a, with, a, with a volcano with a ride through it, a roller coaster ride through it. There's going to be Tomorrowland with Jetsons-like things. There's going to be Jungle Land, Frontierland. I haven't been to Disneyland in years, but I still remember all this. There's going to be, and I have all these cartoon characters, you know, and they're going to be marching down, happily bouncing down Main Street all lit up in the electrical parade. 
and it's gonna have a monorail going around it. Now, you can imagine him explaining this to people when they're actually out there in Orange County, in Anaheim, prior to Disneyland, and all they can see are orange trees. Yeah. And Walt is talking about a mountain with a roller coaster and a, and a, and a monorail and a hotel, you know, and they're like, Walt. And, and here's the rub, it took him 600, he pitched Disneyland 600 times. That's, that's that's the daunting part, really. But, yeah, you know, you think yeah. about it, you know, what he had to learn in that 600 times is who is going to like him and his, you know, just him at all. This is the part where people get worried about, well, they don't like me. Or I read yeah. this one blog post where the woman wrote, I pitched a dozen entrepreneurs and I mean, I pitched a dozen venture capitalists and they all turned me down. Apparently, investors don't like women. I thought, hold it here. I couldn't let that go. I mean, talk about learned helplessness right there. Yeah. Two, she only pitched a dozen. Three, she may be right. These dozen didn't like women. Who knows? But what Walt learned was, okay, if they don't like me, who, who, where can I go to pitch my thing, pitch Disneyland, where they're going to like me? And then the yeah. other half of that is, or out of it's half of the 80%, is what's my deal look like? What is my thing I'm pitching? And, I'm, and, and is the thing I'm pitching something that investors are familiar with? Are they into that? You don't want to go to a venture capital firm with a biotech pitch when all they do is telecom. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not quite that cut and dry, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Because they understand, you want to go to someone who understands your industry. They can bring something to the party and they can see what you're doing. And so that's a different it's, end of it. But we, it's, As business owners, we can't have thin skin. We've got to be able to take criticism and evaluate that criticism because sometimes it may be good criticism. Sometimes it may not be, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember when I went into Brazil, you know, um, back in 2009 and, um, I was hearing it left and right from all of my friends and everything saying, you know, you know, you don't want to go into Brazil. They don't respect women, you know, and you're never going to be able to do this in there, you know, um, uh, and, and I was creating inroads for companies here that were struggling so that they could partner with Brazilian companies in preparation for the FIFA games and the Summer Olympic games. And um, I knew I had the experience and everything, but I was, I had all of these people that were saying, no, 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 you don't want to do that. You know? And um, I found these are your friends, right? These were, these were people I knew, you know, these, yeah. And um, once I, I managed to get in there, I went with the U S commercial services department here in the U.S. and went over there and spent five days, you know, it was two in Sao Paulo and three in Rio. And I came back, you know, just totally pumped up because I saw what was really down there. And for the next year was spent strictly doing my research. I did not just jump in and start doing things. I had to find out what they really needed down there in preparation for the games and then came back to the U.S. to find companies that, you know, could fill, uh, you know, solve the problem that they had. They yeah. didn't even know they had, you know, in all honesty, that's, that's, they that's did the thing. not even know they had that problem. Well, a lot you of know? people, they're, they're looking for capital for their business. And the idea that, that a business plan is what you need to get the capital, they don't even know that. So I can't just advertise, hey, get my business plan software. It's the best thing ever. Uh, they'll look at that. What do I need that? What's that? I don't need a business plan. I need capital. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and so that's why, you know, um, that's part of the reason why we've partnered here is because through the academy, we get into some, we break down that business plan. We break it down into the different components and give step-by-step, you know, guidance on how they can develop the portions of the business plan that can be brought into the template that you have. And then with your help and everything, they can fine tune it. But the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, the business plan has to be written for who it's going to be presented to. Okay. If it's just a growth plan, which is just a guidance for your business, that's one thing, but that's not what an investment plan is or a financial plan, you know? So, and, and really, you know, when you start getting into the investment side and the financial side, you are focusing more on the financial aspects of it and yeah. the marketing aspects. All right. So, you know, those are those are things that are critical in the front end when you're starting a business and having the tools and the education up front is is really important in order to overcome that overwhelm that you go through and and the naysayers and all this other stuff. Right. Well, you know, you mentioned doing the research and that really is, I think, one of the key ingredients. And I got to say, that is not painful. It's not hard to do. If you're interested in the subject, you found a solution. Like I know some people who were very concerned about children drowning in swimming pools. Go figure. I didn't know that was a problem. Well, these guys found statistics on how many children drown in swimming pools and they created this swimming pool alarm was their product, you know, and but the research of it, I mean, it's, it today, especially when you can just go online and look up stuff, you can go and find infographics on things and, you know, and you can find all this stuff. And then you can, it's actually it becomes more exciting because you realize, wow, this problem is you know, perhaps bigger than I thought. And there's yeah. variations on this problem. And there's a few people solving it. But the way they're doing going about it is like this. I'm going to go about it in another way because I've seen something. This is part of what my I did the strengths finder, you know, top five things you're a genius at. You know, right. my top thing is connecting the dots, which is kind of what I just do normally. But like, I'll see something doing over here, like something from skiing or something from martial arts or sailing a boat. And like, you know, right. those guys who are over here camping really have never sailed a boat because if they did, they would know to do this. They could tie that knot, you know, or something like that, you know. And there's so many th- different if activities. So the, the the benefit of being kind of a polymath and being into a lot of different things is I can cross pollinate stuff, right. and that's where the business plan cross pollinates different things. And and I want to say that you're right about the distinctions between business plans. But at the end of the day, I think really what the business plan really is, and I almost it, it, want, it, it sounds unsophisticated, but it's really a glorified brochure. It's a glorified sales tool. It's, it is a brochure. And I wrote mine, I used to work for the Sharper Image Catalog. So I think in terms of a catalog, how do I find that thing I'm looking for? And so you want the investors. Some investors are really interested in the go-to-market strategy. Some want the numbers. Some want to know who the management, most want to know who the management team is. But they want to see different things at different times. And they have biases and they have responsibilities and interests. And you want to get them right to that bit so they can understand that part of it. But the thing really is a brochure to pitch the investors on investing in the company. It's a brochure on having employees join your company so they see what's going on with it. It's a brochure with, heck, even at the other end of the spectrum, let's say you've, God forbid, you're in bankruptcy and you've got to convince a lender or banker or your vendors that you've got a plan to pull out of this mess. 
it's worked for that as well. So you can use the same, the good news is you can use this business plan for at least a dozen different applications. And so what I caution, you know, we talked about selling the, pro a, lot, a lot of entrepreneurs will take their 20 minute, proverbial 20 minute uh, investor pitch and they'll use 15 minutes of it selling the product because they know exactly. how to sell the product. They love selling the product. Exactly. But the investors don't want to buy your product. They want to invest in the company. And so that's just a thing to keep right. in your head when you're and, talking to you, investors. Yes, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, you know, and, and um, that's, you know, I've run into this situation so many times before working with small businesses and, and getting them to take a step back and put themselves in the investor shoes or the banker's shoes or whatever, you know, um, and think about what are their expectations? Is it a return on our, on investment? Is it, um, um, you know, an increase in dividends or, you know, or whatever, you know, what is, what are their expectations and how are you going to meet them? You know, and that's what you have to be addressing. And there's a relatively so, new idea is put forth by Arthur Lipper. Uh -huh. uh, you know, he used to be a big, big on um, stock market. But anyway, he, his whole thing is, is revenue royalties. A lot of investors these days, you know, God bless them, but they're getting old, you know, yeah. and, and they can't wait for your 10 years for you to sell your company or go public. They need to get some of that return on return on their investment back as soon as possible. So one of the new deals is a revenue royalty. We might say, hey, in years five through 10, I'm going to give you 1% of the of my top line revenue. That's just a maybe a bad example, but that, mm -hmm. that is an example. You can sell, give you 1% for the first five years, 2% for the second five years. You can do it any way you want. Right. But the idea is, is there, you're showing them if your revenue numbers are there. And of course, hopefully you're, that, that means you need to be a pretty profitable, high profit margin right. company mm -hmm. with cash flow to be able to pay that. But it shows them they're getting that, that ROI and that investment. And the other thing about pitching investors just to be conscious of is there's two parts of it, really. One is they're putting money in. They want to get the money they put in. They, you, they can't risk that. That mm. part, you have to really respect the risk, riskiness of that initial right. capital input. You want to get that back to them as soon as possible. Now, the profit and the return on that investment after that, I think we can be a little more flexible. But just to keep that in mind, you know, you want to be able, you want to be really respectful of that paid in capital and get that back to them as soon as possible. Right. Because then they'll be more, more liable to lend you more. Well, it reduces the risk and that's, yeah. that's everybody yeah. looks at, at yeah. risk in these things. What's my risk? And the big question, of course, everybody asks is, well, why your product or service at all? Why now? And of course the big question is why from you? And so yeah. that's the, the pitch you need to make in the business plan. You don't need to really rewrite and have a dozen different business plans. That'd be really crazy making. You just need one. And it covers all the bases. And the investors are going to look at it one way. And we have we include cover letters. And the cover letter pre-frames you know, exactly. who we're talking to. If I'm talking to a large vendor and I'm saying, hey, because I had a customer who used the business plan. He thought he was going to raise several million dollars to go buy some Learjets. He wanted to start a jet charter service. But the investors that he talked to weren't into that kind of a deal. So he calls me, we're talking. I said, well, do you know a guy who's got any jets? Sure enough, he knows a guy who owns two Learjets. He takes his plan to him and says, hey, what if you gave me your jets? I will manage them for you, fly you wherever you need to go. But when you're not using the planes, I'll charter them to other people and we'll make these things pay off. Guess mm -hmm. what? He got two jets for free. Did wow. he need millions of dollars to buy jets? 
No. All he needed now was probably a credit card to buy some uniforms and, and, and lease an office at a local airport, you know, and so really? uh, and some phones. I mean, so so you look at that, and you think, wow. So you take this business plan. It could be a, a shopping center owner. I mean, there's a lot of shopping centers sitting around looking for something oh, yeah. better to do. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of assets that could be used that aren't being used and you need them. And why should you pay cash? When you can just go to the person who has them, make them an offer. So they can't refuse, but make them an offer that's too good to pass up, mm-hmm. and you're in business. But it, but no money's changed hands. Right. So you're you're ahead there. So there's a yeah. number of ways of using this thing to to really be successful. But it's it's the bridge between your fantasy, your dream of whatever it is, and the reality of it, and engaging others and having others buy into your dream to create the reality of right. it. Right. Right. So let's talk about conscious strategy. That's another one of your terms. Well, I think we've, we've covered some of it. I mean, I think of uh, some things that, that people think about, you know, um, well, one, one thing I can, I can, I, I think about is the word profit. I think a lot of people are, are, are you know, they, they start nonprofits because they're afraid of profit. They're afraid of, oh, if I make money, what, you know, what am I doing? Am I ripping people off? I'm making a profit, and these and some of these rich guys that make all this profit that are stealing from people. They could be. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there are some of those. Okay, I'll give you that. But really, for your own sake, in terms of you know profit, I think of what I want to. What I tell people, profit really is is your value add. It's what you're bringing to the party. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. what you're doing. Like like FedEx, you know, FedEx delivers your package absolutely positively overnight. I mean, yeah. it'll be there by tomorrow morning. Now you pay extra for that. And why should FedEx make a profit? Well, because they figured out efficiently how they can deliver those packages overnight mm-hmm. and you know make a profit on it. And that's the thing they're bringing. They're bringing you that, that immediate delivery. You want that check tomorrow? Right. Send it FedEx, right? So, so there's a there's it, it's and it's it's a quantity thing. It's the, the risk you take. It's the return you get for taking that risk. It's the it's the money you make from working. Well, seven days a week, I've spent many sunny Saturday afternoons in my office working when everybody else was at home. How come I'm making all the money? Well, that's because I'm right. there, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, the conscious, but the conscious strategy really is is about being really being aware of yourself, what you're good at, and really listening to what your customers or potential right. customers are telling you and starting to weigh the like okay what do i need to how do i tweak this thing to make it fit what they want or how many of them are there because i'm getting getting a lot of noise I mean, there's the 80 20 rule you know a 20 percent of your customers are 80 percent of your business and i think if you really pay attention to that that will be a tremendous amount of guidance in what to do in fact there's a book by perry marshall called 80 20 sales and marketing which i've been reading right. recently mm-hmm. and he points out a few 80%, 20, 80, so 20% of your customers are 80% of your profit. What if you iterated that formula one more time and said, okay, what's 20% of 20%? Well, 80% of 80% is 64%, okay? Do it again, and 80% of 64% is 51%. I don't do math in public, but that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, if you, were, if you had a list of 100 things to do, the top 20 things in that list would get you 80% of the bang for the buck, which ain't bad. But if you took, if you did the four things, they'd get you 64% of the things done on your list. If you'd figured out the one thing, that would be worth more than half of your entire list. So, you know, that's 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 a complicated uh, 
uh, approach for a small micro business owner when you think about it. Well, but- wait a minute, wait a minute, because when you did, but what this does though, so you write down your list of things you got to do. What uh-huh. it gets you thinking about is what is the one thing I can do that's going to move the needle the most. Exactly. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that one thing. I mean, what's the thing? Like I talk about strategic plan. We're pitching strategic planning for for 2022 now. Okay. Right. Hope that doesn't date this video, but. The idea, the idea still holds. It's like, what? There's a whole bunch of things we're going to do for next year. Okay, what is the one thing that everybody in the company, everybody, whether it's a micro lawnmower repair shop or a, you know, uh, your your Tesla, what's the one thing that we need to do this next year that absolutely positively must be done? Because that's like half of everything that that you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Response to that. So that's I think that would be a real conscious thing to think about. In your, right. In your thinking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's that's exactly it. You know, and, and a lot of our, our micro business owners, you know, have never taken it to that level to, to start thinking about, OK, um, the annual strategic planning, you know, uh, uh, you know, breaking it down and, you know, building that revenue, that that revenue growth that you want with the different components that are going to contribute to it. So what right. about conscious business? Well, I think, you know, a lot of conscious business and, you know, there's a, a big push these days for, for diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think about, I even have a slide in one of my pitches where I show all these different kinds of people. In this case, I picked different kinds of dogs, you know, like, diversity and inclusion. Well, back, I mean, 20 years, there's a video, every one of the sections of, of the biz plan builder business planning software has got a video of me explaining like, here's what exactly. investors and lenders are looking for in this section. And mm-hmm. I talk in the management team section, I think I recorded that video, I think in 2013, telling a story of what happened in 2005. And so I say it because I've been at this for a long time. I just, to me, it was common sense. So, right. uh, you know, I had well, at one point I was doing, well, we had about 10 products in about 3,500 stores doing about 12 million in sales with 30 people. And the, the, the black people that worked for me joked that, you know, all three of the black people in Silicon Valley worked, worked for me, <laughs> worked, worked <laughs> in my company. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, Silicon Valley back in the day was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't hardly diverse really. It's very yeah. much more diverse now. But what I liked about having all these different people between the Asians and the Hispanics and the, and the African-Americans and everyone else mm-hmm. there, um, you know, even had a Russian guy and we even had a, a, an IT guy who used to work for the Shah of Iran, you know, and so here's talk about a different perspective there. And so, you know, while I think I'm Mr. Smarty Pants guy, like, hey, I know how to do this whole thing. I created this company, aren't I all that? Well, you know, I'd write something or show something and somebody say, uh, hold it here, you know. And it was interesting to get the different perspectives from different people. That's what I liked was the different right. perspectives. Like, I, I go, I never would have thought of that. I mean, it just didn't it's, didn't occur. That's and exactly so to right. have someone yeah. else tell you or speak up or say something, uh, right. first of all, I say you've got to have a culture where you encourage that. Because if you beat people up for, for saying, uh, the emperor's got, I think the emperor's naked over there. You know, you don't beat that kid up for that comment. You're like, yeah, you're right. You know, anyway. Right. So, so uh, the diversity of thought, the diversity of possibilities, the diversity of solutions, the ways to make things fit and work, you know, that really is the, is, is, is a consciousness and it's, 
it's I don't know. There doesn't to me it doesn't need to be politically driven. I don't need to be told. I don't have right. a diversity inclusion manager. To me, it's just straight up common sense. But you know, I, I just wanted to sell a lot of product to a lot of different people. You know, and so it really doesn't. I hate to say this. I don't care what they look like. It's only skin deep. I want your money. So yeah. you know, we're doing business. <laughs> right. Right. So, and- you know, you, you, you look at um, what this diversity can bring to you in understanding who it is you're selling to. Okay. When you, when you look at it, it, depending on who your audience is and everything, you know, um, it's important to have that inside track on, you know, well, yeah, the example I gave, and it was from this experience, I was a judge on a panel at the University of Texas in Austin business plan competition. And it's me, and I think it was three, maybe four venture capitalists on this panel. And there was like, you know, several different, different whole bunch of different panels that came through, teams that came through. And one of them was a team of uh, guys, they're they all fraternity brothers, maybe they had a golf, they had a, this golf app that uh-huh. did some really kind of cool thing, actually. And they're talking about this golf app, and it's really great, you know. And I and I said to the guys, I said, you know, here's your because we all offered, you gave him input back. I said, it's great that you guys are doing this, but the thing is, all of you guys look like me. They look like me, white guys with golf yeah. shirts on. I don't, yeah. you know. Anyway, so I said, you know, it, you got you got Tiger Woods. The Tiger, this is when Tiger Woods was suddenly on the scene. Now you got this black guy playing golf who's kicking everybody's butt. You know, hmm, something to consider. Then you got half the population of the world, all the women. How come there's no women on your team? Right. And then every time I've ever seen a golf course, most of the people out playing golf who have time to play golf probably have more, way more gray hair than I have. And this was like, <laughs> I don't know how many years ago. This is 15, 20 years ago, practically. But nevertheless, where's all the gray-haired people? You know. Right. So you guys either, and, and, and you can solve this either by having them as, as advisors or on your board of directors and right. certainly on your management team. And so I just said, you guys, you know, you, you, you're not you're not appealing to the rest of the world here. You're just appealing to everybody under 30 who's white male to play golf, which I don't blame you. That's who you are. That's who you see in the mirror. But, you know, if you're building a business and you want me to invest in it, I want this thing to be as big as possible in the world as possible. And you're you're leaving. Well, I don't even know what the what the math is on all those demographics, but you're leaving a large part of it. Right. Out. And that's right. a problem. So in the beginning, you were talking about how <clears throat> we talked about how um, having a black belt uh, contributed to business and how flying an airplane, you know, you know, contributed to your business. You know, let's talk about black belt, flying, scuba diving, you know, how yeah, did interesting lessons this there. all contribute to business? Well, I, I started my karate training, my Taekwondo training right about the same time I started my business. There was okay. a karate school around the corner, and I would drive by it. And one day, I just drove in, walked in, and said, "How do? You, what do you do?" The guy says, "Come back tonight at seven o'clock. Wear, wear, wear shorts and a t-shirt." You know, <laughs> okay. So, so part of it is, you know, we have all these to-do lists, and we have these goals that we write. I'm got these goals, and by the end of the year, I'm going to get my pilot's license. By the end of the year, I'm going to be a black belt. And we give ourselves like I could write down by the end of by the by January 31st of next year, whatever date we're, year we're going to use, I'm going to have all this done. And I, you know, I can't tell you how many years in a row I would write something like that down, get my pilot's license, get my black belt, do something like yeah. that sort of business. 
And what really worked, on, especially on, on both those cases, one is just going into the karate school and getting started. So really the, right. the, the main thing about anything is that first step, start. Right. You need to start now. It, it, all these guys talking about writing books, start writing your book. Just start, you know. Start, and yeah, so, that's exactly it. And what I noticed in, in, in karate was that I'd step in the ring to spar with somebody. And if I wasn't there, heart, mind, body, and spirit, like, hitting on all four of those cylinders, mm-hmm. bam, you know, because if I was like, well, I'm here, I'm kind of checked out, I'm worried about what's happening at the office, you know, you know, and it would hurt. It would physically, you know, you, you get punched because the other guy's after you, even though you're wearing rubber heads and rubber helmets and chest protectors, big rubber gloves and rubber booties and stuff. But so I realized that, you know, and I thought, hmm, because how you do one thing is really how you do everything. It's one of the reasons I think why venture capitalists will often take a candidate out to play golf because, A, they love to play golf and they want to play golf and it's an excuse to play, but they want to see how you play. It's not so much your skill at golf. It's really who you are on the golf course. And I assure you, after about nine round, nine holes, halfway through the, the 18 holes, your good behavior is going to start to wear off. And you're going to see if you're a guy who throws golf clubs, do you cheat on your score? Do you sneak and drop the ball? What other kind of tricky little things do you do? What kind of of person are you? Because they can see who you are on the golf course is probably who you're going to be in business. And they're getting married to you for the next, no, call it five to ten years with a lot of money. And they want to be sure you're the kind of person they can be with. So how you do one thing is how you do everything. I mean, and handwriting and analysts will tell you that's why handwriting analysis works because this hand is connected to this head and right. you can do things and how I write my handwriting, you can pretty much tell what my behavior is going to be. That's another subject for someone else can convince you more better than right. I can. But that's the point. Yeah. So I saw that in, in karate and I thought, where am I, where am I doing this in my business? What am I not paying attention to? Where am I? avoiding something what am i not doing what am i am i not you know all that so that really woke me up to you know heart mind body and spirit uh you know in this whole in this whole thing with the business so that really applied there right um i don't know much time we have but i'll, I'll go to the airplane part is mm-hmm. as an instrument rated pilot uh what, it, what i'll tell you is it conflicts with what everybody says is i trust my gut i always trust my gut my trust my gut is always right I'm here to tell you as an instrument rated pilot, I'm sure every instrument rated, most pilots will agree that if you believe that, you will die. <laughs> Straight up die. Yeah. Because yeah. most of instrument training in my experience, how I would interpret it is, you know, you got this thing on, I can't look up at the instruments. I can look you know, either down, I can't look out the window and I can't, I, well, I can see just the instruments. I can't see out the window. So I can just see the dashboard. And so the, the instructor will, you know, do things and make the airplane, uh, airplane's doing this, you know, and you've got to look at the instruments and realize, whoa, he just pulled the power off. The plane is in a steep right climb. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know, you, and you recover from that, but you can't look out the window. Right. But I'm telling you, if you look down and lift your head up and the plane is moving around, your inner ear will get, you'll be all discombobulated uh-huh. and you'll be thinking I'm flying straight and level or I'm flying in a, in a downward spiral. And the plane is not doing that at all. And your instruments are right. Whatever you're thinking, forget about it. And that's what the training is, is you've got to stop, stop thinking and look at the dashboard and the dashboard, let the dashboard tell you what's what. And there's gets more complicated than that, but that's fundamentally the thing. So you're just feeling... You got it. You've got so you've got to get some data. You got some get some data on your customers, yeah. and you've got this gut feeling about them. But you need to, you need to see who's yeah. 
Who's buying what? And I, you know, one of the big things I do on my website constantly is A-B split testing. There's things yeah. I think are, are genius, but nobody clicks on it. Yeah. Lose it. And you know? it's, it's true. You know, you have to, you, you may think that your business is doing great and everything, but once you explore the numbers and really check out your, your numbers, you realize, oh gosh, I'm not doing as good as I thought here. I may be doing good here. But, you know, this place is suffering and this is suffering. You know, you have to be, you have to know your numbers, you know. So um, we're coming up on the close and I do have so many more questions. But (laughs) (laughs) um, let me ask you one more question. You've done so many things, um, Burke. But what do you do when things aren't working? Well, I had an interesting revelation one day. I thought, you know I'm doing all this stuff and nothing's working. And I, I was like, what is my problem? Nothing's working. And I thought to myself, well, listen to that for a second. This is part of the other part of a bit of consciousness, I think, is listening to yourself, literally, listening to other people, literally. Because that's how the universe hears you. I can say, don't think of an elephant. Guess what? We now have an elephant in the room. But I said, don't mm-hmm. think of one. That doesn't matter. It's still mm-hmm. there. So here I am saying nothing's working. So what do I do? I got up from my chair and I went outside and I did nothing because <laughs> nothing's working. So if nothing works, do nothing. And that right. sounds kind of facetious, but sometimes you just need to go take a break and do nothing because whatever you're doing ain't happening. So, you know, that's the other thing you can go do. And, and along those lines, what I would say, and there's another thing, it goes into the part of stuff, but it's like, we, we, I, I hear this over and over and over and over again. It drives me crazy. People say, well, you learn from your mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. It doesn't matter. You learn from your mistakes. Well, you do. But here's the thing. I find, I, I will just assert that there's probably an infinite number of ways to do something wrong or not succeed. So learning from that mistake and not making that mistake again, you know, infinity times infinity is still infinity. So you can still correct all your infinite mistakes and still be making mistakes and still not get it right. So I would adjust that statement about learn from your mistakes to say, because what that does is people, because, you know, a mistake, it's painful, it's expensive, it's embarrassing, it's shameful, it's all that, right? A success is like, whew, okay, let's go, what's for lunch? We don't, we don't analyze what we did for success. We don't learn from our successes. We think we're learning from our mistakes, but we just stop making one of another infinite bunch of mistakes. But I would say that maybe there's a handful of ways to get something right. And if you study your successes and figure, okay, what did I, what did I do differently? What did I, what did I not do? Who was there? Who wasn't there? What did we do? And that's really the thing that you want to pay attention to. And yeah. I think people really overlook studying their successes to see what did I get right. Like when Walt Disney was pitching Disneyland 600 times. Now, if he had my software in your your classes, I'm sure he would have not narrowed that down because he would have realized, okay, who am I looking for? What am I, this group liked me. What was it about this group that liked, that me? liked me? Yeah, what did they what like? Was it, what is it about my deal that they like? You know, mm-hmm. and keep that. You know, what stuff can I experiment with letting keep, you know what I mean? So you're, you're studying what you, what worked for you versus what, what you, study your successes. Right. Let go of that learning from you. Learn from your mistakes, but, you know, learn from your successes as well. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we're at the end of our podcast. Um, Burke, can you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you should they desire to? Please. Yeah. It's well, my website is businesspowertools.com. 
and my product is bizplan builder. i created business planning software back thirty something years ago, but it's evolved through all kinds of economic ups and downs, which is kind of cool. anyway, businesspowertools dot com the business plan product is bizplan builder and we're happy to walk you through it, explain it to you and show you the dashboard. we've got a dashboard now. we've taken all of our dozen products and all of our tools and put them together. everything works the same. they work together. they're complementary and they've got employee handbooks and all kinds of letters and spreadsheets a safety plan, the business plan, of course, and everything works together. It's a kind of a, the, the thinking, you know, the thought management, the thought leadership of your company all in one secure place where you can collaborate and share with your employees because I think everybody in the company should be able to sell your product. So right. there's a place on there to show the, it's kind of like the business model canvas, but it's, it's much more in depth than that. But the employees can see, okay, who are we? Who are we selling to? Who are our partners? What's our business exactly. model? All that stuff. Exactly. That concludes our podcast for today. So please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to us on or go to Charged Up Studios Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. We look forward to talking more with you next week when we will spend our time with another exciting guest eager to help small business owners like yourselves. Talk to you then and go have a charged up week. Burke, thank you so much again. And I don't believe that you did tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you, did you? Uh, well, businesspowertools.com. If you can see it next okay. to my name on this thing here, that, that's the web address. Okay. It's uh, easier to say than the other name I had. So businesspowertools.com. It used to be Gian, J-I-A-N, but now it's Business Power Tools. And uh, it's it's a whole, a whole new thing. Everything's new and updated and well, okay. new and improved. <laughs> we'll, we'll put those in the transcripts when we upload this podcast. So thanks again, once again, Burke. We'll talk Thank to you, you next time. Thank This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.